Let's go ahead and start in Proverbs chapter 11 and uh, verse 24 and 25. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, so just pause just for a moment here. I'm going to read these two verses now. And uh, then when we close the service, I'm going to read the same two verses. And our goal is, and this has happened in the other two services, it's just going to resonate with you when we finish today. I believe that you already have some understanding on this, but this is really going to resonate with you when we finish. So really go ahead and lock on from the beginning here. It says, there is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there's one who withholds more than is right. It literally means uh, they keep what they should give or they, they hold on to what they should plant. Uh, withholds more than is right, but it leads to what? To poverty. The generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will also be watered himself. In the message paraphrase, it reads this way. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And he who, and, uh, and those who help others are helped. And that's some good stuff. And we're going to uh, use that to kind of jump off this morning. What we're trying to do is to get all of us to cultivate a generous soul. Um, your soul is the part of you that thinks and feels and decides. And the contents and the condition of your soul is going to determine the quality and the direction of your life. So the soul is very important. And what's going on in there is very important. Nod your head if you're, if you're with me so far this morning. And if you are generous, if you are generous, it has to do with your soul, not your circumstances. If you're stingy, it has to do with your soul, not your circumstances. And, you, and you'd say, well, I'm not sure about that. Well, I am sure about that. Because there are people that have a, a whole lot. They've got good circumstances, but they're stingy. Here's the... Universal sign for us for stingy, clenched fists. And there are people that don't have much at all. And you know what? And they're so generous, open-handed. Go ahead and open your hands. Did you know that you actually feel better when you, op- when you open your hands? Just open your hands. And so we want to be generous. We want to cultivate a, a generosity in our soul that actually is a joyful generosity. Because it's not just about giving. If somebody makes you give, guess what? That's not giving. And then if that's, that's extortion. And then if they make you give generously, then that's just grand theft. Okay. So it's about being cheerful. It's about being joyful. And we spent some time looking at the church at Macedonia and Corinth last week um, in regards to that. One of the things that we have to settle in the soul, and again, that's where we think and where we feel, where we decide, where we think. There's some things that we've got to know, understand, and embrace in our soul. And this is one of the big questions that we've got to get settled and revisit often. You're with me this morning, and it's this. You've got to settle the difference between stewardship and ownership. You've got to know that he is the owner and I'm the steward. Seriously. He is the owner. I'm the steward. And every day it would do you well to just say, God, it's all yours. It's all yours. You just show me today how you want to use and how you want to use me and how you want to use. We're going to refer to this as T4 here. Somebody got me a new big marker. Let's see if you like it here. It smells funky, but, you know. <clears throat> uh, by T4, we're talking about your time, talent, treasure, and touch. It's all God's. 
I said, it's all God's. And so every day we want to say, God, how do you want me to use my time, my talent, my treasure, and my touch? Now, most of the time, and I've expressed to you my personal discomfort, time, talent, treasure, touch. My personal discomfort of talking about money and talking about giving in church. And I've really wrestled with that to find why am I uncomfortable with this when it's clearly taught in Scripture. And so if we're not tell you why, it's because of the way it's been taught in a whole lot of churches and on a whole lot of Christian television. And I just hate the way that it's been uh, misrepresented and manipulated and things like that. And I want what God's doing in our life and in this church to be pure. And so I want to kind of stay away from that. So I have this personal discomfort about that. But I do you a disservice if we don't talk about that. And what I don't have discomfort about is talking to you about the condition of your soul. And so all that being said, then we have to include in our time, our talent, our treasure, our touch. We do have to along the way, we have to talk about money. And so I want you to do this real quick. I want you to buckle your seat belt, if you would, real quick. Your seats are uh, equipped with that. And then I want you to roll down your window. Okay? Because, look at me, we're going to talk about money today. But this is what we're after today. We're going to do a super-de-duper giant faith offering at the begin at the end. No, we're not. No, we're not. Just some of y'all like, see, I told you. No, 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 no. This is what we're after is that my prayer today is that you would be able to get a reset, a reset concerning how you think about God and finances and putting that together. Let me say this to you. I am sorry. I didn't do it, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry that there's been so much junk and misinformation and hurt and greed and all kinds of other stupid stuff concerning finances in the name of God and in the name of church. I'm sorry that it's out there, but here's what we're after. We're not going to let that stop us from talking about the real deal truth. And how do you straighten up anything anyway? We've got to get light on it. How do you straighten up any controversy? Get the truth on it. And so that's what we're going to do today. And I believe that you're going to be helped. I believe that you're going to be encouraged. So that's why I need you to roll down your window, okay? Because how many of you know what I'm talking about rolling down your window? Somebody's talking to you and you roll your window up. And they're like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I see you, but I can't hear you. (laughs) And I don't want you to do that today, okay? Because this, uh, please, please hear your pastor today. I'm not trying to get anything from you. I am trying to get something to you. And I'm telling you, your life will change if you'll get a hold of these principles. So let's dive on into this um, today. Follow me in this this, uh, trail of thought here for a moment. We want our lives to work. We want our lives to make sense. We want our lives to be whole. And yet we sometimes try to exclude our finances and, and get this thought and separate our finances from the Savior. To keep our finances separate from the Savior. And He's our source. And He has the answers. And we want His help and we need His help um, for everything else. You know, for our marriages and for our family and for peace and for trouble that we're going through and for forgiveness and for help and for eternity. You know, we want, we want his answers. We want his help. But then for some reason, and I know why, because it was a plan of the enemy to get that to be a confused and misused subject within the church. And then we end up 
separating our finances from the Savior. And again, we're, we're after a reset on, on that today. Let me talk to you about how important finances are just for a moment. And I'm talking about financial issues in our life. It is the reason for a lot of irritability in people. It's a reason, one of the leading causes for tension in families, households, and businesses. It's one of the leading causes of stress-related illness in people. It's one of the leading causes of crime. It's one of the leading causes for divorce. It's one of the leading causes for suicide. And it's such an important, important and powerful uh, area of our life. And I don't know how life is going to make sense. And we're going to make life work. If we keep that separated from God, we need his help and we need answers from God concerning this. And we can't just leave it separated. There's a 2013 banking study. That's this year. that shows that 76% of U S households are living paycheck to paycheck. 50% have less than three months living expenses and savings. 25% have absolutely no savings. And the majority of U.S. homes are suffering with debt and shortage. And then we have a government that has so lost its bearings. Look at me. We need help. We need help. And I know where our help comes from. And this has nothing to do with economy, with the market, with who's in power in, in Congress, in Senate or the House or the White House or what new business is coming or going or anything. You have to understand this is apart from that. And we need help and we have help and we need to go to our help. And no longer just settle for this separation. Well, I got, I got to keep my finances separate because, you know, churches, ministry, God, etc., etc. Let's get a reset on that today. And let's go to Scripture. Let's go to God and, and listen to me and see what the real deal is. The real deal. Because for the most part, I would say just, every, just about everybody here, we've had it presented to us wrong. And I'm telling you what, this will liberate you if we'll get this. And God, please help me today to articulate this and get this across. There are over 2,000 verses in Scripture that directly address finances. Jesus taught 38 parables. 17 of those parables, he spoke directly about finances. Jesus spoke more about finances than he did faith, prayer, heaven, and hell all combined. And so I think we need to go to him because we go to him, you know, when we need help with our family and with this situation and, you know, for healing and this problem that we're going through and forgiveness that I need and guilt that I'm dealing with and peace that we need in our home and all of those things. We go to him for that. And I'm saying that we need to go to him, to God and to his word and the teachings of Jesus so that we can understand and so that we can get free in this vital area that otherwise plagues our life, our culture, our world. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. Now, let's go back to something we talked about earlier. It's all God's. Everybody say it's all God's. And it's all God's, yet a lot of times we withhold. It's God's and yet we withhold. Or we try to avoid God and finance combination there. And I don't think it's because of greed. And I don't 
think it's because of unbelief. I, t- I tell you, I think it's because we're afraid. I think we're afraid for numerous reasons. And I think also that we are confused. And then when we do give, sometimes we give, but we're not generous. It's like we give, but, you know, yesterday I was riding my bike in, in our neighborhood. And there were some little boys on a corner that's not going to have much traffic at all way back in the way back in the neighborhood. And they were raising money for um, uh, breast cancer awareness on, on a corner. And I, I don't know if they were just asked for money or what, because I, you know, I'm riding my bike just back and forth. And it looked like they had a little bit of wood chopped or something. So I don't know if they were trying to sell wood or, you know, what the deal was. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, I thought, I don't have anything on me. I got a piece of gum. I don't have anything on me. And I wish that later I had remembered to go back, you know, and, and I just thought, God, I hope people are generous to them. Yeah, I hope when little girls come, you know, raising money for Girl Scout cookies or whatever, I hope you're not the cheapo. I hope you're not the grumpo. These cookies aren't even good for you. Well, you don't, it's not about the cookies, you know, and plus those cookies, buy them now. If you don't want them, they have like a 10 year shelf life. Okay. <laughs> Eat them later, give them out. So. All right, let's, let's stick with this here. Sometimes we give, but then we're not, we're not generous. And what we're after is to cultivate a generous soul. I heard a comedian a little while back on the radio. He's talking about how his dad was stingy about everything. And he said, and, and if this is you, don't get your feelings hurt, okay? Just consider. Um, he said that every year for the birthday, dad would give him a, a dollar for each year they'd been alive. He said, now when I'm five and you get five bucks, that's awesome. He said, now I'm 31. And he said, and dad comes and shells it out. 29, 30, 31. Thanks, dad. I can't wait till I'm a hundred. He said, but my sister had something wonderful and bad happen to her. He said this past year, she had a religious experience and got born again. And dad's wanting her to, to take her back to just a dollar, you know, so. To begin the whole thing. So now you're getting it. Okay. But we give, but we're not generous. Listen, here's the deal. This is why we withhold. Withholding is an attempt to build security. Withholding is an attempt to build security. And hear this. You cannot build security by withholding from God. You cannot Build security by withholding from God. Let's look in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Keep your window down. 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 6 through 11 in the New Living Translation. Remember this. A farmer. Everybody say a farmer. Okay, bookmark. Pause here just for a second. We, we found in Proverbs 11. We found in 2 Corinthians 9. You're going to find it in Galatians 6. You're going to find it all over the Word of God. Uh, Genesis we're going to find it all the way through that he's going to keep coming back this analogy. And we're not just talking about T4 and second Corinthians here. He's specifically talking about finances and listen, finances are a big deal. And so we've got to get a right take on this. And so let's go back to our, our verse here. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. Any questions? But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You, say that's me, 
You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Verse 8, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Get this next verse. Yes, you will be enriched in every way. Get this, get this phrase here so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. I'm going to go ahead and say this and then we'll expand on this. If you will step over the line and start to be generous, God will make sure that you are always able to be generous. If you'll step over the line and endeavor to be generous, God will always make a way for you to be generous. Now, what we need is for God to be involved in our finances. Four of you? Five, five. Do I have six? Do I have six? Seven, seven. All right. How many of you need God to be involved in your finances? And, and I don't care. I don't care if you got a bazillion dollars or you got nothing. We've got to have God involved in our finances and we need him to stay involved in our finances. There's a law of harvest that we see, you know it, whether or not you even know God. You know, I can remember in first grade, they gave us all a little styrofoam cup and a lima bean. And we filled our cup with some soil and we put the lima bean down in there and we wrote our name on our cup, Timmy G. And then we watered it and we set it in a windowsill near the sunlight. And in a day or two, that thing starts to pop up and come out. And then you grew a little lima bean tree or, and then you took it home and you said, mom, dad, look what I grew. Guess what? You didn't grow anything. There's a law of harvest and God put it together that when you put certain things together, some certain things are going to happen. But you have to be a part of putting that all together. God supplies the seed. It goes into soil. There's nutrients. There's, there's moisture. There's sunlight. There's chemical reactions that take place and then something happens. And God uses that law and overlays that law over our finances. And so we, we do well to pay attention to that. And he said, if you sow a few seeds, you're going to have a small crop. If you sow generously, you're going to have a generous, a generous crop. So we've got to have God involved. Well, here's the thing. This is God's law. And a farmer, as soon as a farmer plants a seed, as soon as you plant the lima bean, I'm going to tell you something. God is involved. As soon as you get it moving, God is involved. Everybody say God is involved. And we've got to have God involved. And God does, God's not even interested in this. Listen, God's not interested in, God, I need you to meet all my needs and help me get some bigger, better, shinier. God's not interested in that at all. Now, God will bless you. God will help you. God doesn't mind you having things that you can, you can even enjoy. But you've got to have first things first here. And, and this is the deal. If you will step out to be generous, God will make sure that you're always generous. But this is always... Be able to be generous. Here's the deal though. I've got to get God involved. And how do you get God involved? Plant the seed. As soon as you start up the system, God is involved. So whenever you and I give, 
from the right heart. Let me tell you something. That is the invitation for God to be involved in your finances. When you withhold, you're saying, God, I got this one. I'm going to work it out somehow. You know, and you're, you're barking at everybody and you're stressed out. I, I'm going to make it work somehow. Children, learn a trick because I'm going to hire you out to the circus. It's, we're going to make this work. No, but when you, when you give what God has, has given you, now God is involved. Your giving is an invitation for God to be involved in your finances. And get this. And once God is involved, hear this. Once God is involved, there's no more fear. We have fear because there's things we can't, we don't know and we can't see and we can't control. But God can see. And God can control and God can handle circumstances. So we've got to get him involved. And I would say get him involved ASAP. Don't be afraid of giving. Don't be afraid of giving. And you know why we're afraid of giving? Because, oh no, here we go again, giving. We see it in churches. We see it on Christian television, special meetings and things like that. You know, and that goes on and on and on. And, you know, that wasn't enough. And, you know, so many things that is just wrong about it. And I want us to be able to have this right and us to all get a reset on this. Do not be afraid of giving. Look at me. Put it in the terms of the farmer again. You don't need to be afraid of giving. This is what you need to fear. You need to fear refusing to sow. You've never heard a farmer say this. Um, if I plant the seed, I won't have it anymore. I'm, I'm letting that process with you. What kind of farmer is that? Dumb. <laughs> Withholds what he should plant leads to poverty. If I, if I let go of the seed, I won't have it anymore. That means he doesn't understand what it is. Don't be afraid of giving. Be afraid of refusing to sow because you shut the system down. Real quick, let's look at some things. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, it says, You must decide. Everybody say, that's me. <clears throat> you must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You've got to decide. You've got to settle this for yourself. And as Scripture says, and look at me on this. You don't give because somebody makes you give because that's not giving. You don't give because somebody makes you a promise that is beyond what scripture promises. That if you give this miracle something in the next 20 minutes, then by Tuesday at one o'clock, you're going to win something. It's time to change channels, folks. I'd rather watch SpongeBob. Can I get an amen for SpongeBob? No. All right. Um, You've got to sit down, hear me, whether you're a giver and you've given your whole life or you don't give because, man, I've seen too many weird things happen or you're somewhere in between or you're off and on or maybe it's because of, well, you, you measure it by circumstances, which you shouldn't. Here's what you need to do. All of us need to do. I need to sit down and think and pray and get this settled. Just get this settled. God, you're the owner and I'm a steward. And what you put in my hands, I want to use it in the way that you want me to use it. And we've got to get that settled so that we can be a cheerful, we can be cheerful about doing this. And then in verse 8, let's look at this real quick. You still there? Is your window still down? All right, good. Verse 8, and, everybody say and. Okay, that ties it in with what's previous. 
And what's previous is that the farmer goes out and if he sows a little, he gets a little crop. And if he sows generously, he's going to have a, a big crop. And you've got to settle which kind of farmer that you're going to be. You've got to settle that in your heart. Not because somebody else is making you do it or somebody else is doing something or you're being coerced or under compulsion. God just wants you to be cheerful about this. And if you'll do that, verse 8, and God will generously provide all you need. And then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. You can't get any more secure than that. And that's what we're trying to produce when we withhold. If I hold it, then I still have it. And I got to hold on to it so I have it when I need it. And a very secondary, tertiary thought would be then, and then maybe I can help somebody else. But we withhold because we're trying to build security. And you cannot build, you can't build security withholding from God. But he said, if you would be generous and cheerful, that's our goal, joyfully generous. When you're generous and cheerful about it, God said, I love that kind of giver. And he says, I I will make all grace abound toward you. He said, I will generously provide for you. Follow this. I'll generously provide for you so that you always have all that you need. And that you'll have some left over so that you can be generous with other people. Well, I don't know how he's going to do that. Hold up. God is able. Everybody say God is able. Let me remind you how God is able. God is able to rain down bread. God is able to fly in meat. God is able to make water come out of a rock. God is able to multiply a little boy's lunch and feed a multitude and there's leftovers. And God is able to do things, and I would dare say has done things in your life that you can't explain how he did it, how he made that happen, how he took care of that situation for you. Am I right this morning? Let me just ask you, non-scientific informal survey. How many of you have had something before? I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to take care of this, man. This is a big, a big deal here. And one way or another, either you trust in God or, or the goodness of God working through the goodness of people or ways that you could never have figured out. And that's my point that some unexplainable way, what was such this big, horrible need. I don't know how we're going to get through it. Next thing you know, you're a month behind it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're, we're through it. Has any, Has anybody, God got you, and you don't know how, but God got you through. Come on, I don't want anybody faking this. If that really happened to you, then then put your hand up. That should be a good witness for the rest of you. And God is able. Everybody say, God is able. And you're never going to have enough money to feel secure. You're never going to have enough money to feel satisfied and fulfilled. you know why? Because those are spiritual needs. Those are spiritual needs and they can only be met by your walk with God. And that's why people, I got to get more. I got to get more. I got to get more. Why? Because well, I thought if I could only get this much, if I could only get that much, you're never going to have enough money to make you feel secure and fulfilled. Those are spiritual needs and they only come from your walk with God. Let's look in verse 10 and verse 11. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. And then the same way he will provide and increase your resources. Watch this. Provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. And notice verse 11 again keenly. Watch this. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. God is interested that if you will 
step across the line and endeavor to be generous, God will always make a way for you to always be generous. Think about this. If you were God, who would you replenish? Who would you bless? Who would you enrich? The fearful withholder or the generous giver? And I'm telling you, we see it in life and we see it in nature and we see it in God's word here. That he will enrich, he will replenish, he will bless those who are generous and those that are committed to him and what he's doing in the earth. Listen, when you are generous, people get helped. And when people get helped, God shows up for that. When you are generous, ministry is funded. When you are generous, God gets glorified. And I'm telling you what, God blesses and replenishes. He enriches the generous. Now get this. Follow this. Help me answer this question. Do we give to receive? Mm, Let me make sure that's real clear. Do we give to receive? No. A big no. All right. Do we give and receive? Yeah. But follow this. But generosity never gives to be rewarded. But God always rewards generosity. I'll say it again. Generosity never gives to be rewarded. But God always rewards generosity. You're on the wrong bus. You're on the wrong train, going the wrong direction if it's just about, God, meet my needs and help me get the new shiny one. Because then you're constantly going to be able to be saying, God, I need you to help me because I got myself in trouble here. But I'm telling you something. If you'll step across the line and endeavor to be generous, he's the owner. I'm the steward. He wants to be generous. And we get so stuck on, I got this need and I got this problem. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm afraid and I can't see and I can't control, but he can. And I can no longer separate. You can no longer separate our finances, keep them separate from the savior and from the owner. And we've got to connect with him in this way. And listen, don't give to get, you know, and it's, it's, there's a teaching out there and it's, it's, it's all over the place, but I just want to give you the light so you can see a little clearer. It's not about, I'm going to sow me a bigger seed so I can get me a bigger harvest. That's the wrong train heading the wrong direction. Here's what you want to do. I want to be generous. And if I'm generous, generosity gives not to get reward, but God always rewards generosity. You give, who is God going to replenish? We just read it. Who's he going to enrich and replenish and bless? The one who generously gave. And he's going to do that in such a way so that you can always be generous. God's more interested in keeping you replenished so that you can always be generous. And he said in that generosity in verse 8, he said, I'll meet your needs. Get this. Nobody makes you this deal. I'll, make, I'll meet your needs all the time so that you can have all that you need. And so that you can have an abundance left over so you can be generous to other people. Here's where we want to be. You want to be generous. You want to be secure in a crazy world where we don't know what the government's going to do. If you do, I'd like to talk to you. <clears throat> we don't know what the economy's going to do, what the market's going to do, all of that. I'm telling you, look at history and look at scripture. God has always been able to do whatever he wanted to do, no matter who was in power, what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter to him. 
He can cause water, like I told you, to come out of a rock in the middle of the desert. God is God. He doesn't have any limits on him. And where we're afraid, he's in control. Let's step across the line. Let's be generous. And that's what God's interested. You know what? You want to be generous? I'll make a way so that you can always be generous. Because when you're generous, people get helped, ministry gets funded, and God gets glorified. Amen. Now, real quick. This is why. Because no one can outgive God. And God will not be a debtor. He said in Proverbs nineteen seventeen, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. And he will pay back what he has given. Do you know what just happened here? Watch this. He said, if you help somebody in need, God said, I count that as a loan that I will repay because that's the way God is. He said, I'm not going to be a debtor to anybody. And when you're generous, excuse me, God gets involved and he gets involved so that you can always be generous. We want our lives to work. We want them to make sense. We want our lives to be whole. And there's no way then that you can exclude this important area of finances and keep it separate from the savior. Here's the bottom line. Here's the question. And I'll finish with this this morning. Here's the question. Will you trust God? It's just, will you trust him? See, we're so used to withdrawing and withholding when it, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what's happening. I don't, I can't. eh. It's a matter. Will you trust him? Do you really believe he's the owner? Do you really believe he can do anything? Will you trust him? Can I tell you something from scripture? Whoever puts their trust in the Lord will never be disappointed and never made ashamed. Church, God wants you to be generous. Well, I wanted to be rich. I'll show you that in scripture in a moment. I I wanted to do this and I want to do that. No, 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 no. Don't even bother yourself with that. And you'll be more than taken care of if you'll decide, God, you're the owner. I'm the steward. Anything you put in my hand, how do you want me to do it? How do you want me to use it? And I'll do it. And I'm going to say it again. You step across the line to be generous. And God will always make sure that you're able to be generous. Let's end where we started this morning. Proverbs 11, and I pray that this resonates with you. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right. But it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich. Oh, good. I want to be rich. No, no, no. What he's doing is making sure that you'll always be able to be generous. And he who waters will also be watered himself. And then in the Message Bible, the world of the generous. Go ahead. Say it's me. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are helped. I call you to generosity. That's where security is because that's where God is involved in your finances. I'll say it again. Step across the line and endeavor to be generous. And God will always make sure that you're able to be generous. Let God's people have a generous soul. Did you get anything at all out of this today?